Good morning, comrade. We got Jeff and Robert. We have a very special guest today. Uh, we have Drew Favica. Uh, Drew, you um, are you laughing at me? Who? You sound like you were laughing at me. No. Can you hear anything? No. Are you smashing oh, your controller? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Let me stop. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm two hundred hours in that Elden Ring, bro. It's it's a real problem. It's a it's a it's a real addiction. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's good morning, comrade. Uh, we're recording ahead of time this time. We got Jeff and Robert on the show. Um, and yeah, so Robert, you were out of town last week. What's up? Yeah, I went to um, the wife and I went to Arkansas. Um, we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh huh. Um, I had a really good time. Um, just putzing around. We uh, we rented a cat like a an apartment by the lake. Um, there's like a man-made lake the best way i can describe it it was like lake coronado it's in this like hot springs village this kind of town within a town it's a lot like ironically it's a lot like uh disney without any (laughs) rides like it felt like i was at camp wilderness because you have to like go through like a it's like a huge huge you can't even call it a subdivision it's just like a bunch of condos and houses and you have to like go through a guardhouse. Like there's multiple ways in and out. And um, and kind of the centerpiece is like Lake Coronado, which is a man-made lake. And we stayed on the lake. And like uh-huh. I said, it's like it's it, it felt a lot like being at Camp Wilderness and in, in Orlando at Disney. Um Hot Springs is cool. It feels like it's the um the next big thing. Like it's just on Hot Springs is the be- next big thing. Yeah, uh, it feels uh, like it. It feels like it needs uh, just. It feels like one or two Instagram influencers away from just completely blowing up. I saw we went to a Walmart, which was like the nicest Walmart I've ever been to. I was like, is this the flagship Walmart in Arkansas? I don't know. Um, saw a actual hillbilly. That was he was like he looked like hillbilly Jim. I'm not even like kidding. A wrestler? Yes. It was so awesome. I was like, he had the hat, the overalls, the whole bit in the, in the frozen pizza aisle. This guy was so cool. Um, what else do you need to know about hot springs? No, not so I got it all covered. Yeah, I think I think I hit it. Um, Aaron, Aaron, my wife, she um, filled up the the thing to do is like the springs come out of the. They have a park in the middle of the downtown where you can just fill up water because it's just coming from the spring and she she pumps some water out into a, a bottle and she's why is it hot and i was like are you kidding right now and she was dead serious she couldn't understand why in hearts hot springs arkansas the water that can't come out of the ground is is actually hot volcanic so activity that, yeah i will never let that go until they put me into the ground it was pretty awesome i was like tomorrow we can go to cold springs if you'd like but today we're in hot springs and yeah. the water's going to be hot right that was the thing there you go cool. well anyway um today on the show we have a uh, drew favica drew uh just uh one of the authors in an article about uh little bit of human trafficking happening around in Georgia. Um, we're going to have him lay it out for you. Um, but first off, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, Drew. Um, fire away. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you uh, having me on, especially on such late notice, like we were saying off air. Um, but yeah, I'm Drew Favica. I've worked about, it's been eight months. I've been working with a local newspaper here in Savannah called the Savannah Morning News. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work as a public safety reporter, so that includes crime and uh, mostly local crime, actually, uh, crime and healthcare. So, mm-hmm. And I'm from Chicago. You're from Chicago. Okay, we yeah. won't hold that against but, you. We will hold that you live uh, in Georgia against you, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Like, 
to be a hundred percent honest, um, this that's a really good segue because Savannah is also one of those cities I feel like much like Hot Springs, where it's just one or two Instagram influencers away from just being the next big thing. You've got like really? the, the Savannah Bananas, which is the minor league baseball team, which they own. I mean, their their TikToks are amazing. They play some kind of weird the Savannah bananas. You yeah. gotta be kidding me, dude. They play some kind of weird alternate baseball. But they're it, it's I'll show it to you later. Like I can't even describe it. Um, Alternate but, um, baseball. It's really like it's like weird rules. It's like almost Calvin Ball. If you remember Calvin and Hobbes, like Calvin Ball rules. It's it's really weird. But um, no Savannah rocks. So I'm I'm really interested to hear about sex trafficking in Georgia, and then hopefully sex, it's it's human not coming. Oh, I'm sorry, human trafficking in Georgia, and hopefully mm-hmm. it's not coming out of Savannah because that's one of my favorite places. Yikes. Yeah, go ahead and uh, lay, lay out what's going on there, Drew. Sure, yeah. So I'll just tell you how I got, um, I guess, privy to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so in early December of this this past year, there the DOJ, Department of Justice, uh, sent out a press release um, for, mm-hmm. for this thing called Operation Blooming Onion. And it... It basically, I think there was 24 people named in the indictment. Uh, 200 Operation million. Blue Operation and Onion. Blue and Onion. Yeah, everyone, everyone talks about the name. Everyone was saying it sounds like a outback, outback steakhouse appetizer. Yeah, um, no rules, just right. Apparently. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's 24 people named in the indictment. 200 million dollars, and I went to the press conference, and they were kind of making a big deal about it. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it was the first time I attended a DOJ press conference ever and but it seemed like they wanted people to investigate it or journalists to investigate it Mm -hmm. i believe i was the only um print reporter there Uh, i could be wrong but i think i was it was mostly tv report tv reporters and i just kind of sat there and listened i didn't i didn't even ask a question but it Mm -hmm. it was it it intrigued me enough to look more into it so when i got home i started um and it's 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 like really it's like a walk away weirdly enough the doj um, office and, and so yeah and when, so when I got home I started researching it a little more kind of put it away for a bit and then um, I just I talked to some labor advocates and they told me to look into it's this thing called Department of Labor Performance Data mm-hmm. um, now we're kind of getting into the weeds but I find it interesting so details um, please give us all the sure, details yeah so that includes like basically to get like an H2A petition, H2A, um, mm-hmm. a farm has to prove. So can you describe what H2A is? Yeah, that's that's what I'm about to oh. do kind of. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe, but I'll try to describe in succinct, most succinct details as I can. The H2A system is for farms that need workers, um, and they, they have to prove that they can't um, hire any American workers. Like American workers don't want to work for them or – there's not enough of them in some mm-hmm. cases. They have to prove that to the um, to to one of the government organizations, um, and that and then that's when they are able to file a petition, and then it either gets approved or denied. Um, and they have housing and a worksite inspection um, that occurs, and then they bring the workers over from out of the country. Usually, it's Mexico into the United States, and then those workers. Are they would normally be undocumented, undocumented, but since it's the H2A system that they're coming through, mm-hmm. they become legal for a certain period of time, say four months. So, like temporary status. Yeah, temporary status. But they have to work on the farm that filed the petition for them or the farm labor contractor. Oh so. my God. So, that that is wild already. Like, like, just sort of thinking about it, like they're almost, I mean, like, I don't want to be too, like, these people in a really tough position. It's almost like they're tied to the land in almost like a serfdom kind of it's way. A, it's indentured servitude. Like that was the thing. That, I mean, but like, know. like, and this is the legal part, right? Right. So, so okay, go on. That's. I mean, that I did not know that thing. First of all, existed, and then two, like that. I mean, that seems like a situation that's fairly like fairly rife for abuse, I suppose. Yeah, there a lot of experts since the get-go of the system have called it exactly that, right? Right for abuse. 
Um, and there's been a ton of cases, lawsuits, um, you know, where ver- workers, uh, they have to, there's a recruiter in Mexico that um, someone with the farms or the farm labor contractors hire to recruit the workers. And then the recruiters um, help the worker go to the Mexican consulate in, uh, I think it's in Monterey. And then the worker goes to the U.S. consulate and then they go to the farm. So um, in some cases, I know in this case, a particular case, I don't have the details, but in the indictment, uh, and this is fairly common from what I've heard, or at least it's happened before. I, w- I don't know if I could say it's common, but the workers pay you know, upwards. They have to pay the recruiter to even get into the country, which isn't exactly legal. Um, right. So like sometimes that's like 200 to to $1,000. So they're already in debt when they come over to the United States. Oh, my God. And then they usually sometimes they, when, when they come to the farms, supposedly, they, they, they send money back to their families in Mexico. So it's, it's really difficult for them just, to live. Ge- just generally exist. like outside of this case, it's a difficult system. And it's also very complicated to understand. I don't think, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm the expert on the, on the topic at all. So I'm still learning every day. Yeah. Um, like, like, like the first question that comes to mind is if they're like spending all this money on the front end and sending a lot of this home, like what kind of money, like how do they live even, you know, how do you live on that on this seemingly tiny amount of money they have. I imagine they're grouping together. Uh, are these companies, um, are these companies like providing some kind of like dorm housing or something like that? Like what's going on, you know? Yeah. Well with in the petitions, you have to prove that you have housing. So sometimes uh-huh. that's, and if you, if you go through the data, this is what I was noticing. It's sometimes it's a motel, uh, like yeah. a big motel that they rent out for the workers. Sometimes it's a, just kind of a makeshift housing. And I actually drove out there with my photographer for the story that we did. Um, and it's, it's very makeshift. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's not, it's not beautiful. Um, right. It's, no, they're packed, it's they're not, packed it's not, yeah. It's not the four yeah. seasons. No, it's, it's pretty rough. So I mean, in, in this case, um, at least ele- allegedly, um, I'm just saying allegedly, basing on the indictment, there's still, um, still a lot of information um but uh allegedly like they weren't paid very much um they were abused and they weren't you know housed fairly like none of it was none of it seemed fair according to the indictment so Mm -hmm. sure and so um the article that y'all had written beyond troubling current former government officials tied to human trafficking probe in georgia so apparently government officials are a part of this kind of like this whole thing this whole sort of i don't know i don't want to call it necessarily a scheme or whatever but but whatever is going on here well we can't say they're involved um uh-huh. but we can say that the they're bro- tied to is the, the headline yeah the the brother of um maria patricia who's the na- main she's she's who the uh indictment was named after so um she's i think 60 something years old Mm-hmm. Um, she is brothers or sisters with the state monitor advocate of the Georgia Department of Labor. Uh-huh. Um, and so the state monitor advocate, just to go through that a bit, he's essentially tasked with overseeing the H2A complaint system among other tasks. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the work, who the workers are supposed to, supposed to, you know, feel free to to report complaints to now they don't go directly to him they go through in an intermediary, intermediary yeah. yeah um but um he wasn't supposed to be i mean it's not illegal but it raises questions about the the ethics for sure yeah it seems inappropriate it definitely seems like it's again like we said before rife for abuse i mean if you wanted to you're really putting a lot of trust into the into a person to do that you know, when there's essentially like material things that could make them <laughs> decide to do otherwise. And it would be very easy for them to do something like that. Um, okay. I mean, this scheme doesn't seem far off from, you know, the, the stories that we hear. Um, it just seems like a legalized version of the stories that we hear of like in Qatar, where uh, people have to pay upfront 
to to get there and then they're forced to work under incredibly inhumane conditions and they have their passports immediately uh taken from them as soon as they get there this just seems like the sanitized version of that doesn't really seem much different to me don't seem that sanitized well it's just wrapped up in a lot of legalese yeah yeah so um as i'm looking through this article and and uh, you know i had very little time to read it before but um it says two workers had died in in, in this situation as well uh in the heat according to the indictment of um uh brett donovan bussy uh what happened there and who is brett donovan bussy uh brett donovan bussy or B- I, I think I don't or busey i beg your pardon bussy. i don't know um he used to be a worker, I think, as the article explains. He he used to be a worker at the Georgia Department of Labor, so he was a agricultural specialist, um, mm-hmm. which means he you know would visit the farms, um, and you know if a worker had a complaint, it would come to him. Um, he would he would inspect he would inspect the 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 housing and the work sites, or at least he was tasked with doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of unclear why he was named in the indictment, but but we know that what he was tasked with. Okay. Um, and, and he said, it, it says that two workers had died um, on the job in these conditions uh, and others were kidnapped and one of them raped. Yeah. Uh, all oh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we have. Um, can't really say anything beyond that, but we, yeah, we, I mean, according to the indictment, that's what happened. Okay. Okay. Um, so in terms of conversations with labor advocates, um, what has those kind of conversations been like? I'm sure there's a lot of concern being raised by those folks. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I've talked with, kind of kept close communication with labor advocates from the beginning of this. Um, I think just a general surprise when they found out about the you know, potential ties between the person named in the indictment um, with this cr- criminal conspiracy and then the um, state minor advocate, um, mm-hmm. they were just shocked. Um, even, even if they believe, I think a lot of them believe that the, and I don't want to speak on behalf of all of them, but I think generally they believe that the H2A system, you know, is like ripe for abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was their preconceived notion. And then when they sure. find out that sort of this uh, government official, you know, is related to the person named in the indictment. That's when they were still shocked. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, that goes to show the level of, I mean, just kind of craziness surrounding, surrounding the, the story that, mm-hmm. you know, what really happened. Yeah. Um, Shelly Anand, a former uh, U.S. Department of Labor lawyer and co-founder says it's beyond troubling. Um, Atlanta area. She's with a Atlanta area nonprofit. Um, the federal Department of Labor is primarily responsible for enforcing migrant farm workers' labor regulations. Um, so, in terms of how that's structured, there is like a a federal Department of Labor that sort of like primarily is in charge. And then, like, what is the role of the State Department here? As in, like this the the Georgia Department of Labor? Yeah, the, yeah. So the U.S. Department of Labor. It oversees the Georgia Department of Labor. So anything mm-hmm. the Georgia Department of Labor um, does, the U.S. Department of Labor, you know, oversees that. So um, in terms of farm work, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a state monitor advocate. And then, you know, within this agricultural system, there's a state monitor advocate that kind of is on the top. And then there's, you know, agricultural specialists. And then there's um, who also like go, sees the housing Mm-hmm. but yeah i mean they they do a lot of other things too it's not just agriculture that the georgia department of labor does they do just general uh you know work labor stuff within mm-hmm. the state so yeah okay and then um so you, you mentioned uh, prior um jorge gomez and maria leticia patricio right and their relationship and and Gomez had his house searched and had money confiscated. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what happened there? Well, we know we know that um, his house was searched through the indictment. Um, well, we didn't know it, we don't know we knew it was a house that belonged to Graciela Gomez. 
um, uh-huh. who wasn't named in the indictment. Um, but she's she's daughters with Jorge Gomez. Sure. Um, and or I think no, 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 it was Jorge's house. Graciela might live there. I want to say, um, but it was Graciela's money. It was the five thousand dollars. We knew that belonged to. Yeah, Graciela. I got my Gomez's mixed up. I'm sorry. No, that's all <laughs> when, right. they all, when they're all related, it's, it's, they're all family. Of, it's easy uh, to cross them up. But that's what it was. It was Graciela's money, Jorge's house. Uh-huh. Um, and so when we when we asked him, and and I want to, you know, obviously Maria Perez knows a lot more about all of this than me, and Abraham Kenmore uh, did a lot of the data, and he was both were just absolutely fanta- fantastic, mm-hmm. um, you know, throughout this whole process. Um, and so she so she interviewed. Jorge Gomez and Jorge Gomez told us that three thousand dollars of that five thousand belonged to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so now there are a couple of accusations um, for uh, like of uh, Patricio and uh, somebody else, right? Of somebody named Mendoza uh, for filing fraudulent petitions. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a long list of. Yeah, accusations in the indictment. Um, but yeah, that's right. Daniel Mendoza is the son of Maria Patricio, as the indictment states. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a, I think it, there was, um, in the article states it, but there was somewhat, uh, yeah. I think 60,000 petitions filed uh, in total, H2A petitions filed by this family. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't know which ones are fraudulent, you know, so it's, 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 we know that they filed a lot of petitions and that they kind of had a, they had control over, you know, they're the ones filing and receiving petitions and then sending the workers to, you know, different places, not necessarily the farms, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. Um, so as far as like continuing reporting on this issue and, and like what is kind of like going to be happening going forward has uh, we can expect more yes yeah yeah so we're we're closely following this case um we're not planning on on giving up on this case at all um so anyone can you know feel free to ping me on my email or, or twitter i'm following this case very closely uh where can we follow you on twitter i can uh, that. at drew fav d-r-e-w-f as in frank a-v yeah Great. And uh, yeah, this is wild. Like just, just thinking about this, like, and, and, and seeing this as it, as it, uh, the reporting on this, it's kind of like hard to describe. What do you got, Robert? Like, as far as, all I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that just pops in my mind and I don't even think it's stuff as, you know, cause Drew's an investigative reporter. So his, his thing is to call balls and strikes. Sure. Um, but first thing that pops into my mind is i i understand i understand that visa when it's something like you have a really specific specialized skill that i think that's more or less like i that might be a different visa but i'm just thinking of somebody coming in from like oh like i can code in this weird language that like you know only a handful of people in the world can do and i live in bangladesh so yeah, you know it's sort of commoditizable yeah i i, I get that but if you're talking just like farm labor i just don't understand i mean i understand i understand it's because slavery never ended um you know this is this is just the new this is the new slavery um but i don't understand how the government can say hey this uh you can't um you can't hire enough you know you can't hire any um any u.s workers because your working conditions are so bad and your pay is so low so let us help you skirt uh u.s labor law like that just seems i i mean i might am i i might be being naive but that just seems maddening to me i i know this take takes place i know this exists um it reminds me of when I was, you know, working for the sheriff's department and they, you know, a lot of the training they had, they, they taught us how to do, um, they taught us how to do uh, factory raids and to check people's paperwork, you know, if they were legal or not. And my first question is, well, they got hired by somebody like who's the real criminal here? Like, 
Shouldn't we be going after the people who hired them? I mean, that's a different topic as a different subject, but it just seems wild how we will let corporations and let businesses skirt labor laws and keep people in the worst possible conditions near slavery for what to just keep capitalism rolling. It just seems insane to me. I just don't get it. Make it make sense. Well, it's, it starts, it starts as a legal, as a legal process. Like it, Mm -hmm. you're allowed to, you know, say we don't have enough workers as long as it's true. I mean, Mm -hmm. as long as you can prove that, then it's allowed and you're not skirting labor law. If you're, if you can prove that and there's no evidence of, you know, wrongdoing when you prove that, Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's is it not a lie, is, is, right? Is it the best system? You know, that's another you know, topic. That's that's um, what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if I, I guess what I'm saying, Drew, is if I create what seems insane to me, I create Robert Johnson Incorporated, and we make widgets. Now, I say that the only way I can make widgets is if I undercut, uh, if I no. pay people the absolute bare minimum, and then I have to completely exploit people. So therefore I have to go get overseas labor to do that. Like that, that's what seems crazy. Like why the government would be like, yeah, that's fine. Let us help you do that. Like I just should in a, in a true free market, I just shouldn't be able to have my Robert Johnson incorporated widget business. Oh, and then like in that libertarian kind of framework that you just laid out, there wouldn't be like different states or borders or whatever either to do it. But obviously that's never been the plan. It's never going to be the plan. The idea is to find this situation where people are in a legally sort of like gray position and then just kind of put the screws to them as best you can and squeeze them like a, like a, like an orange, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. Um, roundabout way. So any, anyway, um, but yeah, Drew, uh, anything else? Anything else that you're working on that we should uh, kind of keep an eye on? What's up? Uh, no, nothing, nothing really else for me. Uh, just kind of, I'm, you know, I think a lot of people think it's just this story that I'm focused on, but yeah, there are other stories that I'm. I have to, I have to write daily stories for my. It's a local newspaper, so there's daily stories I'm assigned to. Um, mostly local crime um, in Savannah. And then, you know, there's other investigative work that I'm also, you know, undertaking. So it's not just this, but, um, you know, this is one of the one of the big things I'm working on for sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I really yeah, I appreciate do appreciate it. you hopping on here. And uh, thanks to Elizabeth for uh, making the connection. We, we sure do love Elizabeth. Yeah, keep here. in touch. I'd like to holler at you the next time I'm in Savannah. Yeah. Oh, for yeah, sure. I just yeah. followed yeah. you on Feel Twitter. Free. So. Feel free. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Appreciate Drew, it. Drew Fav. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Fav, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, bro. That was a um, really interesting and uh, <laughs> exciting interview. You can check out this article in USA Today. It's called "Beyond Troubling: uh, Current Former um, Current Former Sorry uh, uh, Current Former." Um, uh, government officials tied to human trafficking probe in Georgia. I was just pulling it up again, and I got the paywall. <laughs> uh, but thanks, Drew. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you. Have a good one. Thanks. See you, man. See you. Oh. I, I really hope that was shocking to someone because I feel like a lot of people who – I feel like the people who listen to, to our show and, and follow us, like I, it's thoroughly unshocking uh-huh. in, a, in a sick, sad way. You know what I mean? Like – I wasn't shocked at all. Like, of course, these things are going to happen. When you set up a system like this and you exploit the poorest people on earth, well, why wouldn't you push it more? Because these people have no recourse. Uh, like, what are they going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it, again, I mean, this reminds me exactly of like how, how Qatar is built. And, and mm-hmm. we like, you know, we poo poo that country and rightfully so. It's a country built on garbage. Well, that and, those and kind of human, poo-pooings you know, like imply that we do better here. Yeah, absolutely, right? we do not. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it just—it's one more. It's just—it's like exhibit triple Z uh, times a million of why capitalism has to be subsidized by human suffering, or it'll just fall. It can't. Capitalism cannot stand on its own. You must exploit someone. You have to. You have to. You know, a, a good example of, well, 
in in major cities all across America, New Orleans included, we say, well, how can we let people live under the bridge? How can we let all the well, all these homeless people in in San Francisco, and New Orleans, and New York, and L.A. and Seattle mm-hmm. and Portland? How can this be? How can this be? Well, there's many reasons, but one of the unintended consequences that capitalists love is that it's a reminder to you and me when we're making our commute to the job that we hate that, Hey, you want to end up like these people? You better go punch the clock. Mm-hmm. You better get to work. And th- yeah. And, and also is at the same time, That's while they're is. sort of like looked That's at, why as nobody this, wants to fix it. Well, while they're looked at as this example of like, this is what you could end up being. There's also this like parallel impulse of like, you ever seen the episode of the Simpsons when they had like the, the homeless person and they just like turn into a mailbox. No. Yeah. Like basically like they're like cleaning up the streets or whatever. And it was just like this sort of situation. It's, it's this really, really like, like the expectation is that like these people are just going to go away. Like as that they like cleaning up, like like cracking down on crime just means that these this these people are just part of the scenery and if you have like a nicer scenery or whatever it's just what it oh wow gonna be a sounds, better society. sounds like when the simpsons was good yeah <laughs> i wonder what season that was Jeez louise but yeah i i mean i i wasn't shocked at all like uh-huh. and that's sad uh-huh it's really like a sad state of affairs i was like oh yeah i've heard of this yeah oh yeah I mean, I've heard, I've, I've read that, you know, people at tomato farms and ca- that's one of the reasons why there was a, um, a boycott of Taco Bell for a while because of the tomato distributor they were using. They were keeping people shackled to, um, to, to appliances in their living quarters. Jeez. Uh, so they wouldn't get away at night. And that's, literally what they used to do to slaves like there's a there's a story about um uh how uh, how slaves burning to death in new orleans um you know because they were shackled to the stove and the and the stove caught on fire Mm -hmm. it's in the old it's in the the it's it happened in the nicholas cage house if you know where that is. oh yeah the classic the um oh god it's on uh, on charter street yep 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 Mm -hmm. i don't know what you're talking about so it's like uh, not shocking. It's almost like what needs is to happen. Is that Charles or Royal? I want to say. Um, I want to say it's Royal, but you you get the idea. Yeah. Anyway, um, just to keep a, keep an eye on that story, though. Um, and if we do have you know anything breaks on that, we're gonna have Drew back on. Uh, talk about this further, but um, there is some exciting news happening in the city of New Orleans right there now. There is, yeah. I mean, I mean, Starbucks. They had. A, um, we've been talking about Starbucks on this show. Uh, Starbucks work organizing for <laughs> as long as it's been happening. I know I can't shut up about it, um, but they had a shop uh, on Maple Street Uptown uh, that just filed for election. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Have you seen anything about this? Um, I saw the blurb on it, and I figured you were going to tell me all about it. I mean, that's pretty much like what the story is right now. I mean, they've they've just joined in the you know many many stores, uh, the Starbucks shops that have uh, organized, including by the way, yesterday the Seattle Roastery. Now, uh, what is Starbucks. that? Is that Starbucks or is that something else? What is that? The Seattle Roastery. I don't keep up like... on my coffee lore. The Seattle Roastery is like the primary, like number one thing, like the the place. It's like right in the belly of the beast where they have this sort of like, and we're gonna have to get somebody on from Starbucks. I know a couple folks, um, not from Starbucks Workers United to be clear, not from the company. I'm not gonna get Howard Schultz on here to talk about it, oh, yeah. but um, it's like sort of like the central home of a lot of this uh, Starbucks organizing work. Uh, or I mean, sorry, not the organizing, like, like central operations for Starbucks, rather. And they had a vote literally on Thursday, um, yesterday as a recording, and they successfully got a union at that place as well. So there's a lot of momentum and this is like hitting them right in sort of these huge like corporate um like key points. Like a lot right. of key stores are getting are, are getting organized now, getting unions. Do you find it? You're the labor guy, so I'm asked. This is like legit question. Um, 
are they are these votes when i see the numbers to me they seem close mm-hmm. are they close or is this normal for like organizing i mean i wish they would not be as close i wish they would be um i wish they would be you know 100% victory you know 0% no 100% yes but um i mean a win's a win if you're, yeah. if you're asking me I just wonder from the mindset of a labor organizer, who are these people? And I don't mean to shame anybody. I, like, I'm really, it's not, it's not Seinfeld. Who are these people? Like, <laughs> I really do want to know who are these people. So I work at Starbucks. Like, why would I vote? No, because like, how, like, how could this hurt me? Am I afraid mm-hmm. of paying union dues? Like what, what's going no, on? You're afraid of retaliation from the boss. The boss is like, literally, uh, you know what? There's a perfect example of this okay. right now, because there was a video that just broke. Of Howard Schultz, um, I saw some of that. I was clownish. He it was, was just like literally talking about the reasons they need to break up unions, and he was like using a lot of this anti-union rhetoric. Um, just give me a moment; I'll pull that up. Yeah, um, I mean, but I mean, that, isn't the ballot secret anyway? Like that's what I'm saying. I've sure. never been in a union. I've never. Yeah, worked, a lot of I've times, what the boss will say though is that like, oh wow, if we're gonna, if you're gonna have a union. In this shop, that means you're going to lose your benefits that you currently have. You're going to okay. lose like a lot of the stuff that you're that you got right now, despite the fact that like literally you're not supposed to do that. Like that's <laughs> you're breaking okay. the law if you're even like you're essentially saying you're going to penalize people, penalize workers for starting a union, which is like not you're not supposed to do that, right? It's against labor law, but the fact that they can just get away with it because there um there's no like the the sort of teeth of the nlra uh nlrb rather uh, yeah. have been uh, under biden it's been significantly better by the way but um and you know this is not to be like the ringing endorsement of biden or whatever but um the, for the most part they get away with this kind of stuff or i mean when you've got easily enough to get around like yeah. the legal stuff when you've got teams of lawyers it really just turns into a game of you know, catch me if you can. I, I understand that because, you know, even against the government, those those guys can, even if they the government sues them, they can get, they can tie it up for decades in court. I get it. But um, anyway, here's the, um, here is the Schultz audio from the, oh, wow. Um, here's the Schultz audio from the, um, more perfect union video. Let's take a look. This is pretty uh, clownish. I said in a letter, it is an American right of workers to organize. I understand that completely. But it's also an American right of workers not to unionize and to embrace the values, the culture of his or her company. Don't you want to invent like like by the way <laughs> yeah and and this is like the beginning of it and and there's a lot here so we can we can go on through through a lot of this stuff but like it's almost saying like it's not almost saying it's literally this guy saying that the union and the workers are two different things yeah. they often very very often will say that a union is a third party that comes in that essentially steps in between the workers and the boss or whatever and um and sort of like negotiates in the name of the workers but gets no no like direction from them which is which is not true it's literally not true yeah i mean go ahead i yeah i I mean propaganda is a hell of a drug so it's just even still i just any benefits that the, the, the whole idea of the culture of the workplace is that's insane. Like mm-hmm. we're a family here. Like I love my job. I, I, I love it. And my job gives me pretty much free reign to do like what I need to do to get the job done. But if we were to, if the whole, if we were to organize tomorrow, I'm voting. Yes. Like mm-hmm. there's no way I'm not like, I just, it can't hurt me. But like you said, like I said, propaganda is a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. I'm just really, I'm just really interested in that mindset to know what it's about. Like, Boy, why? Here why comes some propaganda for you, buddy. Yeah. Past few months, there is a narrative that isn't true. The narrative is that hundreds of thousands of people are organizing against Starbucks. That's not true. 
against. If they're not organizing against Starbucks or whatever, and yeah, against is definitely like that's some language. I mean, organizing against the boss, but like the workers work at Starbucks. Yeah, so not, the workers aren't organizing against themselves. That's what's not happening here, right? Yeah, they think it's some kind of. I don't know. I, I'm. I think it's again like what is the downside? You know, realistically, but like propaganda, man, mm-hmm. they really do get you. I did see a funny, I'm on a uh, a subreddit, even though I don't have a manual labor job. I'm on a, not a subreddit, but a, um, a Facebook group called the dragon wagon. Okay. And what that is, if you have like a construction job when it's like, what they say is I'm dragging up, which means I'm taking my toolbox and I'm dragging out of here. I'm quitting. Uh-huh. And and it's usually it's always like pro labor stuff, but the guy who runs the group uh, posted a, an anti union thing, and it was nice to see him get like, hey, just get flamed for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, good. I don't know. It does feel like I don't want to drink the ho- the hopium, but it does feel like things are are slightly changing. But let's hear more from the um the guy who wants to protect the values of Starbucks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The values of this like comf- coffee company. What on earth? That's not true. When we look at the facts, less than 40% of people in stores that have voted for a union have actually voted. 40% of the population in that store. And so one of the things that we wait, so like of the places that have already voted, so they're basically saying that they've success. So that doesn't matter though. If you can get people to turn out to vote, they, they, they vote yes or no. You can say the same thing about American and political elections. Yeah. People have stayed. If to quote Getty Lee from rush, the great philosopher, if you chose, (laughs) if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. (laughs) is to encourage every single person in every store that might be petitioning for a vote to vote. Because that person has a voice, has a responsibility, and no one should allow a vocal minority to control the destiny of a particular store or district or region or the entire company. And so everyone needs to vote. He's trying to make a silent majority argument. It's pretty weird, right? Like yeah. he's like he's got this sort of like expectation. I guess the assumption is See, that his influence is gonna like get more people to vote, and they're going to vote negative because that's what he actually wants. Yeah, maybe this is a little bit of like my own. The reason why I have a hard time interfacing with this, it's a piece of my own philosophy, like of voting coming into mm-hmm. play, where I don't understand why you would why people don't vote. I got into it on our Twitter account with some idiot. Who's just like, I am not about this. Like, I'm not going to vote because the system is rigged. I'm like, okay, it is rigged, but the election is still going to happen. They are not going to say, hey, Joe Blow, um, because you, your protest, you've decided not to vote. Then we're just going to not do the election thing. (laughs) It's still going to happen. So if you don't vote, a choice has still been made. Yeah, and it's like so. Maybe that's why I have a hard time interfacing with why people wouldn't vote or people would not vote for representation in the union. I don't know. I've had a hard time with that. Shout out to Acid Queen in chat. Howard Schultz is such a haircut. That's hilarious. He's so wild, dude. I, I, I mean, I am kind of scared to death though for the uh-huh. for these Starbucks workers, that's and I don't want to. The whole point is intimidation, right? Yeah, I, I don't want to um, put salt, you know, put salt in their game. Same thing with Amazon, because this isn't like the Ford plant where you work for, you know, 25 years and you get a gold watch. This is a place where it does like there's a huge, you know, um, churn of people. And that's on purpose. Uh, So I'm terrified that they'll just push. They'll 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 isolate those people and just end up, you know, pushing them out of that job. But I'm trusting in the labor organizers to know more than me. I'm just a dumb podcaster. So please vote yes if if you have a chance to to organize and unionize. One hundred percent. One of the responsibilities in this changing world that we have. 
have right now of a store manager, of a district manager, of an RDO, is to really understand who the people in our stores are, to talk to them specifically about the role and responsibility that we have as a company to them and their families, and to encourage them to really understand what it might mean to vote for a union. All right, this is where he's going to start throwing. This is where he's going to start throwing around the the the, the, the scary stuff. So I do want to hear this. Yeah, like what, what does it mean, Charles? Howard. <laughs> whatever. Charles know. Schultz was the guy from Peanuts. The Peanuts man. Whatever. <laughs> he was a union buster too, and so was, was he. Snoopy. I didn't know. That. I know. I'm just no. I'm goofy. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was. All Charlie Brown. Was. Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 vote no. <laughs> Turn it up some. Have been bullied not to vote. Think about that. That's not the Starbucks way. This guy literally coming on a like all hands call saying that people are being bullied into not voting when he's literally implying like they should be forced, like they should be. Yeah, he wants no voting whatsoever. (laughs) What do you mean? He wants no voting. Starbucks is to ensure the fact that everyone has a voice in the future of the company. And that's what these co-creation sessions have been about. Me listening very carefully to the ideas, the creativity, the aspirations, the entrepreneurship of everyone. And we're coming up with fantastic ideas that will be executed against. And I said to everyone in these meetings is mark this date down because you're going to be somewhere a few months down the road, you're going to say to yourself, I was in that meeting when that idea was posed, when that idea was created. That was my idea. Because we are going to co-create and together reimagine the future of the company. I love that his dude can literally go on a call that's all hands. Like everybody's supposed to be getting this message. And he said, well, he is broadcasting literally to you know, thousands of Starbucks workers. I am listening to you when they literally have no way to interface back. I mean, it, it's awesome. really, it's really telling right there too. Is he's like, well, you know, we haven't talked about nobody's talking about what it means to actually, you know, have a union. And then he proceeds to go on and not talk about what it means to have a union. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's right. That right there should be game over. That's yeah. He's just talking in circles. Yeah. This is place experience. We have to reimagine mobile order and pay the drive through. This is all corporate speak. But the good news is throughout the pandemic, and even as we sit today, the demand for Starbucks coffee by our customers has never been greater than it is today. Think about that. And why is that? Because people recognize the quality of the coffee. People recognize the relationship they have with you. The longing for human connection, the longing for a relationship with a company they trust, and we're going to build on that. So despite all the challenges that I've heard in these sessions, which are real and I understand, we're going to fix those things. But despite all that, the demand, the loyalty, the trust, and the equity of the brand, the relationship with all of you, the quality of our coffee has never been greater. So, like, literally, make coffee great again. Turn yourself down. Turn yourself down. Uh, what's that? Turn yourself down. You're it's like make coffee great, great again type stuff, right? No, I believe all that. That's why the first true thing he said. So why, why, why aren't they seeing any profit sharing? Yeah, if the coffee's do, if they're doing so great yeah. in terms of this pandemic, why are wages for workers not going up? Why are their right. hours not getting better? Why are they not getting more vacation? Why are they not getting, you know, why is why is there a lot in this entire situation not changing at all? And why is Howard Schultz reaping all of the benefits of being the CEO of this corporation with all the stock options and millions and millions of dollars that goes along with it? What's going on with that? Mm, a capitalism is what's going on with that. Wow. wow. Huge if true. You know what's going on. The big daddy, the big C. But um, I wonder if um, I'd love to like 
sit in those meetings because and like their shareholder meetings um because i wonder if it feels like starbucks knew this was coming because if you remember they they increased wages and then they also um started doing their like tuition program or whatever oh, yeah 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 so i was like it feels like they knew like they had some kind of internal information that people were like very uh disgruntled and like this was coming or maybe they felt like we're hiring a bunch of gen zers and we're we got to do we got to throw a bone to them somehow um because these gen zers aren't aren't playing that they'll they'll burn a starbucks down first and go <laughs> they'll ghost us mm-hmm. you know first and 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 quit so um yeah uh I hate him. I hate him with every fiber of my being. Um, I wish, uh, you know, I wonder what he tastes like when it's time, what he's going to taste like when it's time for the terror mm-hmm. and um, vote. Yes. You, there's no reason you should not, you should not work in a union shop. And I hope to God that the one in New Orleans passes because if it does, holy, that's my new coffee spot. I will be in there. You'll drive all the way uptown. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'll be in there once a week. I can't say every day because I'm not buying a five dollar cup of coffee every day. <laughs> I, I will Especially when that. there's city supplied, uh, city supplied Keurig uh, coffee for free at my work. That's how they keep us from unionizing. I will say to folks uh, listening right now, uh, if you're listening on WHIV, um, Saturday, uh, this afternoon, as of as of uh, broadcast, uh, after there's a bunch of folks from uh, Democratic Socialist of America in New Orleans who are going to be uh, heading out to the Starbucks uh, on Maple Street, and we're going to be um, ordering coffee there, uh, and we're going to all say that our name is Un- uh, Union Strong. So uh, come out, join us. Uh, there's also information from DSA New Orleans to uh, email and uh, get some people. Check out the the, um, the the New Orleans Democratic Social of America Twitter page or their Facebook page, all their social media. Uh, there's information for how you can help in, uh, help out for that kind of thing. So uh, sounds throwing that, that PSA out there. What time is that again? Uh, that well, um, I'm thinking it's going to be around of four o'clock but i'm okay. not 100 percent. there's not a hard nail down time's gonna be yeah we don't want to give it we don't want to you know give it's gonna be people in and out for the for tell the, our uh, secrets today yeah but i might uh, swing by that i ironically have a work thing tomorrow oh yeah yeah, yeah but i love it in advance i love it i love it i love the i love the work thing i'm having oh, yeah. so there you go at it um I'm probably gonna cover some cover this a little bit more in depth uh, on on the Twitch stream um, either tomorrow or Sunday. I'm gonna try and get that back up. But um, in the meantime, we have a couple minutes left, and I would be absolutely remiss if it, if I did not get your opinion, Robert, as a self described Disney head um, on <laughs> the situation that's currently happening between the state of Florida. And its governor Ron DeSantis, and the um, and the extremely woke corporation that is Disney, which I saw somebody post on Facebook or Twitter the other day, some Arizona um, congressperson. That was so funny, dude. Disney with a hammer and sickle is the D. So funny, dude. (laughs) So what's going on? Where you at, Disney guy? Uh, You want to know? As a Disney adult, my official stance is. Let them fight. Let them fight. Let's go. So, so can you just lay out the situation that's going on? Nah, here? I mean, honestly, I've been kind of avoiding it. Not really. So Disney has their own private. It's what I uh, alluded to off air. We were talking about, uh, well, not we were talking about um, where I was staying in Hot Springs, but yeah. they have their own city called the Reedy Creek Development. Um, so they have their own. Um, fire department their own utilities all that right it's like we were talking about the feudalism like the the surf end almost workers earlier and this is almost like the feudal lord end where like disney is a large-scale feudal lord where they're able to like collect taxes on a certain area yeah pretty much so ron DeSantis, governor of florida wants to inside of america or inside of florida or they were so the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, wants to take that away. And so that's going to happen. So 
Disney's going. I honestly don't know. Why does he? Oh, because he's mad at the he's mad at the woke corporation for saying that uh, the "Don't Say Gay" bill is bad. Which the the conservatives have gone to war against Disney before and lost because Disney, rightfully, you know, joking, not joking, said, "Well, you you get to go tell your kids that they can't go to Disney World if you want to boycott us, and they can't. You they they can't like." watch the new Disney movie or, you know, or have Disney plus or whatever. You go ahead and explain that to him. Um, but uh, honestly, I don't care because Disney as a company to me, ha- I've fallen out of favor with them. They all, I mean, they always, what they corporations on the planet earth. I mean, I mean, they're, they're evil and like they're evil and they treat their people badly. And the people they've actually got an, it's an extra evil too, because a lot of the people who work there Really, it's their dream to work there. Yeah, um, they get paid es- terribly. Yeah, especially a lot of queer people. It's their dream to work there because it's an escape from this hellscape that we call America. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's not that anymore. And I they fall out of favor with me because it's always been expensive. But there was at least like I could make an argument of like, this is why you should go to Disney because the value of this, this and this. And their current CEO, <laughs> Bob Chapek, is taking all that away. And I could care less. But I, now I'm in stuck between a hard place because it's like I can't go to Universal either because I don't want to even get anywhere in the vicinity of giving J.K. Rowling any money. Um, <laughs> so it's like, I guess I'm going to Six Flags. I don't know. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Six Flags guy now. You're you're a Six Flags adult. Yeah, but um, let them fight. I don't care. I, I mean, the only people that I I feel some kind of way for are all the queer people who work in in Disney at Disney, and the way that they they feel this was their escape, this was their haven, and um and how corporation being what it is, being amoral, not immoral, just following the trend has turned on them. And yep. I feel really some kind of way about it. Um, yeah. I just like, remember obviously, that. Obviously, yeah. like this is Ronda Santa. Ronda Santa's a absolute human piece of garbage, yeah. uh, doing something for bad reasons that's actually good, like actually clapping up a giant corporation and taking away this like ridiculous position that they have. Mm-hmm. But he's not doing it because he's a good guy or anything like that. He's just doing it to be spiteful no, and absolutely. horrible, and because he hates like gay and trans people. It's like, it's kind of incredible. It's 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 beyond incredible. I just yeah. let him fight. Like obviously, you don't have to hand it to him. <laughs> he's like ISIS, right? Like the drill no. tweet. Like you don't have to hand it to him. But like wow, like let him go. Roll. Yeah. See who like see who wins that one. Yeah, it's a it's big. I don't want to. I don't want to um, trivialize things or, or, you know, obviously human suffering. I don't want to. It's not a direct comparison, but this is big. Again, I'm not trying to make light of war and human suffering, but this is big Russia, um, Ukraine energy. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, you Disney, I mean, uh, Ron DeSantis should have never went to war against Disney, but screw Disney. Um, but the people who are going to be hurt are the people in the middle and it sucks. Um, and I, I just, I just really, I really feel so terrible for the people who are affected by this. I'm, I'm again, for the workers, like we went to the, um, I had my honeymoon and Disney and we went out at night and we went to the, um, went to the bar at, uh, the old, pleasure Island, which is now called Disney Springs. It's called the Edison. It's like a steampunk bar. And it's it's like one of the places that stays open till like two in the morning. And you could tell like we felt I felt like I was in a sacred place because you could tell like it was all the employees there from Disney who had gotten off work and they just dictated. It's, it's almost it's a lot like being in, in working in the service industry in New Orleans where just like some bar gets randomly like assigned as, hey, this is the bar we go to after work. And that's how the Edison felt. I felt like I was in a sacred place. Because after like eleven o'clock, it turned into like the greatest fucking like ball like I'd ever I'd ever seen. Where it was just like, it was like all these queer kids. They were just voguing all over the place, 
And I was just like, they all work there. You know, they all work. They, they got off. They were all being Pluto and Mickey and working rides that day. And this is how they relax. And this is how they cut loose. And I was like, this is a great, this is a great setup. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just felt like I was in like a real, that that's what I remember about the trip more than anything. But I feel for those, I feel for those people who are being betrayed by their civil servants and they're being betrayed, betrayed by the company that they, they literally give their heart and souls to. It hurts. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to have to end it for radio tonight. Right. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been Good Morning Comrade, WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, we love you. Goodbye. And for for Acid Queen five four two six in chat, I will remind everyone that George loves you too. <laughs> we got a shout out from George on Twitter. George is the man. We love George the cat, don't we, we do. folks? We really do. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, Robert, I hanging. I'm, I'm going to try and do like a, a full extended version. I think. All right. Or the um for this for this Schultz stuff probably tomorrow. Cool. Um, but yeah, thanks everybody for watching. Also on Twitch. Uh, thanks. I, yeah, I got prep work I got to do for tomorrow. For what's work. tomorrow? What you got going? I'm on? tabling at some kind of community safety fair or something. Oh, that could have been a live broadcast opportunity. Oh no, I can't <laughs> mix those two worlds. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right. See y'all. Good night. Bye.